Hey, Start New Podcast listeners, it's Abigail. If you enjoy listening to the show, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a rating and left a review, as that helps others find us in the strange world of podcast algorithms. And now, on to this week's episode, which I know you'll love because it's a good one. Welcome to the Start New Podcast, where we help you love your community and start great ministries that reach it. My name is Abigail Taylor. And I'm Bill Woolsey. We're part of the leadership team of 5-2 Network, and we'll be your hosts. Let's get started. This week, we are here with Ryan Ermling from Las Vegas. Ryan is a dear friend, a guy that I've known for... I think Ryan going on four years. Is that right? I think he goes back to the fall of 17. So three, three years. Yep. Okay. And you and I met in uh, Orlando, Florida. We did. You were there with a team that was a uh, part of our process, but you came out of the Phoenix area at that point. That's right. Yep. Yeah. We were down there with, uh, with Ed Lamb and his team and uh, to kind of kick off his, his two year journey with five, two and, I think that was maybe early November, if memory serves, of, of 17. You're on today because you started a company and you led that company successfully for, gosh, a couple decades. Uh, and then you sold it. Uh, you, you just have some uh, a great entrepreneurial spirit. And so we wanted to really just kind of hear about your journey today. But also there was, a, there was a little story about you and I meeting up. And when we first met up there in Orlando, you were wrestling with some stuff. I was. Uh, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, I tell Ed, who, you know, was the, the principal in this, this uh, new start that went through 5-2, that in many ways his story uh, and his journey – intersect with mine in ways he probably didn't realize after hearing kind of his, his story, which was, Hey, I'm, I'm in full-time pharmaceutical IT and I'm ready for my next. And I'm going to look to five, two to help steer what that, that looks like. Um, he got me thinking like, okay, I've been in doing what I've been doing for 15 years too. And I'm, I'm maybe ready for, for what God has, has got in store for me. And what does that look like? And so really, it was about that time that we met in Orlando that I was wrestling with and actually had started down the road of, of seeing if, if I could make a, a clean exit from my business and, and explore what was next. And, and we'll probably get to this point. But what's funny about your story, uh, your, your and my story, Bill, is that the first time I think I sat down with you solo um, was in Phoenix. And it was the afternoon of May 2nd. And it was maybe two and a half hours after the business sale officially right. closed. Right. And uh, I don't think you had any clue at that time what I was, you know, so I just sat down with you and I think you'd said, so how's your day been? I was like, yeah, I sold a business today. <laughs> you know, nothing special. <laughs> and and uh, so we, we had the chance to kind of uh, chat through that. And, and um, yeah, it was just a neat intersection of, 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 of ministries coming together and ideas that had been floating around in my head. And, and just the fact that, that we kind of had the chance to sit down and meet that afternoon was pretty neat. Now, Ryan, you're a pastor's kid and I'm a pastor. So I'm always uh, fascinated with the offspring of pastors, uh, having some myself. Uh, but you came out of that family and you started a company called Stretch Internet. 
uh, and and we'll we'll dig in more about how your faith played into all that. But could you unpack for us the company first of all, and how you got started in that industry, and what that what that looked like? Sure. Yeah, Stretch Internet was a, a tech company uh, started back in two thousand three. And it came out of my, at that time, line of work, which was I, I worked in athletic media relations in, in, uh, at Cal State Fullerton. So uh, I worked specifically with the baseball team there, which, um, in fact, my last game I ever worked, they won the College World Series, beat Texas. Sorry about that, Bill. That's um, okay. We're but, Aggies. We're Aggies. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thanks. You're actually <laughs> glad. Hey, yeah. you're, you're happy about that. <laughs> so, um, but, but worked with college uh, athletes and coaches and, and really was a spokesperson and, and handled all kinds of media responsibilities. And one of the things that, uh, that included was broadcasting. And I remember one day my, my boss at Cal State Fullerton came into my office. We'd been broadcasting our baseball games, just the audio, but broadcasting our baseball games online through broadcast.com, which was Mark Cuban's uh, baby yeah. that he ended up selling right. for, I think, $4 billion to, to Yahoo. They get acquired by Yahoo, and all of a sudden Yahoo wants to start charging us 250 bucks a game to broadcast. We'd been doing it for free, and uh, you know we didn't have a monstrous budget. 250 bucks a game at, at a place like Cal State Fullerton was a lot. So my boss walked in and said, hey, do you think we can figure out how to do this internally? And, uh, you know, I was, I was a communicator by trade, not a, not a, not a uh, uh, technician um, uh, by trade, but I, I played around with some Apple technology and some different pieces of hardware and went to Radio Shack a lot and I did a lot of reading <laughs> and, and just figured out kind of a makeshift way for us to broadcast audio um, online, in-house. And, uh, it, you know, I was not an entrepreneur by 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 discipline or by trade. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. I mean, it, it took two or three people to see what I was doing and ask me about it. Um, and, and one finally said, hey, you should try to market that until kind of the light bulb went off, said, hey, there might be something here. And ended up uh, within a year or so doing kind of a soft launch of the idea. And, and um, you know, first year had about 17 schools that had signed on to do audio streaming with Stretch Internet. And and then after that, I, I was still doing my full-time day job for that first year and then got up to 40 schools year two. And I said, let's give this thing a try full-time and uh, just kept growing year over year after that. So um, yeah, had that, that business for 15 years and ended up growing it to about uh, just shy of 600 colleges and universities we worked with. So about 40% of the collegiate market in North America, we were the largest streaming provider uh, in that space and uh, had a team of 20 plus uh, that that uh, that I had the privilege and joy of working with, and uh, so it was quite a ride over those fifteen years. Did you, you stay... always? Go oh, ahead. sorry. Did you stay in audio, or did you switch to streaming? Yeah, streaming, good streaming video. Good question. Good question. Yeah, we started in audio back in '03. You know, video streaming was a thing, but it wasn't super prevalent. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of bandwidth restrictions still back then, and and uh, technology was just not anywhere near it was, uh, you know, today. Um, or even where it was in 08, 09, when we started getting even more heavily into video, but um, primarily audio at that point. And then we obviously evolved as, as things changed. But uh, yeah, we were, and it, it's a classic garage business. We literally started in my garage and uh, we, we acquired all of our audio over phone lines. Um, that's how it came in. So I think I was the only garage in America that had 72 phone lines. <laughs> coming into our garage seriously 72 yes seriously and, and they were <laughs> they were uh 
all, they all came in over over T1. So you have to, not to get too technical on this podcast. I'm not sure that's why people are listening to this. Uh, but, no, no, yeah. but but you get what's called a T1 line, and, and if you have the right equipment, you can take a single T1 line and, and turn that into 24 uh, analog phone lines. So we had four T1s coming into the garage, and I remember the the telecom. I think it was SBC uh, was the name of the the telephone. I remember her just thinking I was crazy when I called her and said I wanted four T1s coming into my my residence. Um, I mean, that was just not something that was done, right? So, <laughs> um, but uh, so it started out with audio to answer your question, Abigail, and then, yeah, obviously uh, transitioned to video. And by the time we sold, I mean, we were probably 95% video streaming. We still had some clients that streamed audio primarily, but almost all video. Wow. So, so if I heard you right, then you got, you started a business, not really because you were passionate about it, not because you saw an opportunity, but rather because there was a problem you were trying to solve. And that then led you into the future, you might say. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I said, I, I, I did not set out saying, you know, into this saying, Hey, um, what what can I create that's going to scale and solve you know solve it? I, I wasn't this classic entrepreneur right that that says let's find a good problem and figure out how to solve it. It it, it came about more organically, and it took a few pokes in the side for me to realize hey there there's something here. Um, I mean there were other life circumstances that lined up as well. I mean my wife we had two small kids at the time. My wife was working full time as a Lutheran teacher. I was working. For, we were saying hey is there an opportunity here? to maybe make some on the side and, and have her or I step back from our, our, our day job, so to speak. And, and so there, there were some other things that propelled us to look at that more seriously, but, um, but it wasn't so much the classic entrepreneurial journey. At all. So what would you say were the two to three biggest struggles in, in starting this business, uh, especially struggles that you, you didn't really even see on the radar when you, when you took the leap? Sure. I, I mean, I think speaking first of one that I, I did think would be a, a struggle and it turned out to be a struggle was just time management, especially um, like I, I mentioned, I was still working my full-time job for the first year plus. And, you know, so I, I'd get home from that and, and, you know, eat dinner with my family and, and then work till one, two in the morning sometimes, right. Trying to, trying to, to run and grow the business. And, um, you know, we're, we're providing audio streaming for colleges. So they're, most of their games are on Saturdays. So I'm, I'm, you know, running back and forth to my garage and my office all day on Saturday. And I mean, it, it was, I, I, I probably never counted the hours cause I didn't want to know how many hours I was working a week, but they were, they were long hours. And, you know, the other thing that I don't think you fully realize until you're in a business and you're, you're running a business is that it's, it's 24 seven on your mind. Um, you know, That's the buck stops with you and, and you're constantly thinking about it, right? You're thinking about the problems, you're thinking about the opportunities, you're thinking about the competition. Uh, it's just always with you. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's something you don't feel fully realize until you're, you're in it. Um, I, I think honestly, if I reflect on it, it's more the, maybe some of the, the little problems, um, that, that I didn't see coming that have the potential to turn into big problems. Um, I, I mentioned the T1 lines that I brought into the garage. Well, the backstory to that is I had no clue what T1 lines were. So I, I thought I could just call the telephone company and say, hey, I need 72 phone lines. Um, and, and again, they kind of laugh at you because most residential, uh, most homes have the ability to maybe bring in yeah. Yeah, two or three lines in, right? You know, at that time, 
some, some homes that have a business, a home business where you'd have a fax line. Um, for those of young people, for those of you fax, who know what... there's this little machine where you, know, <laughs> um, no, but you have a fax line and then maybe a business phone line and, the, and your home phone line, right? So maybe three phone lines tops you need coming into it. So I didn't realize that you couldn't just get as many as you wanted, right? So I'd already marketed the business and, and you know, um, started thinking about what this is going to look like and probably had a few clients already lined up and, and discovered, oh, wait, I can't get as many phone lines as I want. Now what? So really having to educate yourself and learn and, and just um, develop this persistence. Um, you know, there was another situation that came up again, a little, what started out as a little problem could have become very big, but I, I got these phone lines finally in there and started to do some test runs. And I'd call up the number that we had connected to the line and start talking and the audio would come through the computer we had connected. And I could, the audio was like this faint, faint whisper. You could barely hear it. And, you know, start to panic a little bit. Now what? And, uh, you know, fortunately my wife is a musician and said, well, just go to, go to um, a guitar center and buy a preamp and see what that does. And so I, okay, don't know what a preamp is, but I'll go buy one and plug in the cables. And all of a sudden the audio sounds perfectly clear, right? So it's, you know, it's those little problems that, that, um, you know, I think that are just persistent and come up every day. The big ones you, you go into to a business, I think thinking about, right? Uh, how, how am I going to get clients? You know, uh, how am I going to keep cash flow going all that type? But it's those little persistent daily problems that you don't just, you don't realize are going to be coming. You know, that's a, that's a great insight. It's, uh, it's the drip, drip, drip rather than the flood. Right. And how it just becomes a headache, and uh, your your comment about people don't appreciate maybe uh, how it's always on your mind. You wake up thinking about it. You go to sleep thinking about it uh, because yep. there's no one who. I remember a friend of mine told me when we were planting. He said, you know, and he was very committed, but he said, "I'm the chicken, and you're the you're the pig, you know, and it, you're the bacon that's got to supply it." So, mm -hmm. and that that that's very true. Yeah. Very true. Wow. Well, what about what about on the other side, Ryan? The joy of of that journey. So you said you were fifteen plus years. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, lots of joys. Um, you know, one of the first, very first joys that I can recall um, was just this inkling that okay, this might work. And and I remember, you know, we I I, I was bootstrapped, right? We we I did not invest a lot in this uh, at the start because I, you know, I had a full-time job and I viewed that as my fallback. And I was like, if this thing doesn't go, it doesn't go. And that's, so be it. So I, I didn't want to invest a ton. And there was a trade show um, that, that I wanted to go to and, and just test the waters a little bit. It was a trade show where all the other uh, media relations directors and collegiate athletics go every year. And uh, I remember being on such a shoestring budget that I went to, I had this little banner made, but then I went to Home Depot and bought a bunch of PVC pipe and made this homemade banner stand and uh, set it up at the, on the convention floor in Cleveland. And the, the, uh, next to the Taj Mahal displays, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, literally if you walk, if you walk past my display too quickly, I mean, the, the thing almost <laughs> fell down, right? It just wobbled. It, it had, it was not uh I'm not a, a great do-it-yourselfer, right? So I considered a major victory that I was able to build and create this this banner stand, but it 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 wasn't the prettiest thing. But it got the job done, and so I get to this this uh, trade show, set up the, uh, the the banner, and have my little brochures out there. And the the floor is not even open officially yet, but there's some people wandering around, and I have 
a couple guys come up from a school in Virginia called Christopher Newport University. And the guy comes up, says, hey, we got, we saw your brochure in, the, in a mailer you sent. Uh, where do we sign up? And I'm, I'm like, holy cow, this is going to be easy. I haven't even, you know, this thing hasn't even started yet. And I've got people already, you know, and obviously there, it was, it became much more challenging to, to, to grow and scale a, a customer base. But I think that, that initial joy of, wow, I've created something that hasn't even been out there yet. Somebody already recognizes the value in it and is willing to put their trust and faith in, in this idea. That, that, that kept me going for the bulk of that first summer, right? Just this idea. There's people out there that, that believe in what I'm, I'm building. Um, so that was a, a big joy um, for sure. You know, I, I think the other joys as I grew, if I really reflect back on, on the things that brought me the most joy, it was as we got to the point where we started to bring on people to the team and, and add full-time people and getting a chance to mentor and learn from and learn with and, and see these people grow in their professions and their abilities and their skill sets. And, and in some cases, um, figure out what they wanted to do, which wasn't stretch internet. It was something else, but having them kind of go through that journey and be able, being a part of that journey and help them figure out what their next was um, by what they, they discovered and learned at, at stretch. Um, those were all great joys for me. Um, I mean, I think that probably some of the, the, not probably the best memories I have as I look back are, are just the interactions with and the, the, you know, going into battle with your team, right? And, and uh, just having these people that, that you've got your back and they've got yours and you're in it together and you're, you're, you're just, you know, learning from, and from each other and with each other. It's, it was just a, a, that was a joy for me and something I, I still miss dearly. Hmm. That's great. So what about, um, so you talked about the Virginia, the school in Virginia as kind yep. of your first, you know, your first customer. So who was your core customer and how did you land on who that core customer was? Mm-hmm. Well, we can talk generally and specifically. I, um, it, what, what, what we ended up landing on and realizing was that our niche became smaller schools, more Division II, Division III schools and NCAA and, and NAIA schools. Um, I, I like to joke that if there's ever a category in jeopardy for uh, random small school mascots, I'm going to rake. <laughs> Because I, I, can, I mean, you, you name a division two or three school, and I, I in most cases, um, can you knew can who it was? You, you knew the mascot, okay? <laughs> that's right. So, um, you know that that's that that became our niche is is a bunch of these smaller schools because they didn't have the budget or the wherewithal or the the technology know how to figure out how to stream. Which nowadays people listening to this are saying, well, what's so hard about streaming? You got to got to realize that 15 years ago this was a foreign concept to people, right? And so we were, we were helping them really um, understand that it's not that difficult and providing the, the kind of the, the, the support and the, the infrastructure to, to make it happen. Um, you know, so that in, in terms of the market sector, that became our customer. In terms of the, the, the individual, the, the person that we're reaching out to, the person that we're targeting, um, that, the beauty of that was it was, it was I was in that field. It was me. I was marketing to me, right? I, I had been a, a media relations director. That's who we were marketing to. 
So, um, you know, you talk a lot of times about market research and, and developing your target persona and trying to think and, and, and feel like they do. I, I didn't have to work for that. I mean, I, I'd been in that world for five years. And so I was really developing a product and marketing to myself. And, and that made things immeasurably easier, um, both in, in practice or both in theory and in practice, right? If you're out in the field trying to sell a product and you can tell somebody, hey, I do what you do. I, this is my, my background. This is my reality. Um, I think it makes it uh, a lot easier for that person to, to realize that, okay, this, you know, they know what they're talking about here. So as far as that niche market of D2, D3 schools, was that a journey to get the, to that decision or did you pretty immediately go, this is our market, we're going after these schools? I, I think it was more of a journey. I mean, we, we, if I think back to it, we kind of tried to flood the market initially with, with marketing and, and, you know, again, this was even pre, this, this was before there was a lot of email marketing. I mean, digital marketing was, you know, I remember we sent out a little brochure and the, the uh, they called it COSIDA, uh, College Sports Information Directors of America. That's the name of the, the trade group. But COSIDA Digest, it was this monthly magazine that went out and we, we paid to have a brochure inserted in there. And so every school got it. And, and I don't think we knew what to expect, but we found out pretty, excuse me, pretty quickly that that the, the bulk of the interest was coming from these smaller schools that didn't have in-house technology teams and didn't have uh, large budgets and saw this opportunity. Um, you know, the other thing we introduced to the market uh, was a, a, this concept of a flat rate. So we charged schools one low flat rate per year and they could stream as many games as they wanted to. Oh, no okay. one else was doing that. Everybody else was charging on kind of a per event basis, right? So, so we were able to tap into kind of a, a new strategy um, and, 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 you know, it was such a, a blue sky market at that time too, because it was, you know, that I would say 90% of schools back in 2003 weren't even streaming yet. So we were able to tap into, into new customers daily now, or even five years ago, when we got new customers, we were stealing from somebody else, right? Everybody at that point was streaming. Everybody was already in, in the, uh, in the marketplace and was just trying to say, how are we better than, than so-and-so? Whereas when we started, it, it was more, wasn't so much competing as it was educating people on, hey, this is how you can do it. This is how we're gonna help. This is the benefit of, of this plan, et cetera. So it was a different, different time. You know, that's an interesting, uh, interesting thought that you were there in a season where things were unfolding and but you use that phrase that it, toward the end you were more of stealing other other customers or you were saying we could do it better in essence uh, a better value and I was thinking about that in, re in relation to uh, a lot of the teams that we work with that you know most of them are 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 trying to reach people who are already doing something else with their time and they're trying to help people figure out there's a better use for their time namely a spiritual use for that time and how, how really that, that competing against that. Uh, we, we say you have to fire somebody if you're going to, you know, if you're going to hire something new, if you're going to convince somebody to hire you for something, then they're going to have to quote unquote fire something to let go of. Just talking with some pastors earlier today about that on at, with the whole COVID situation now that people are now have hired other things on Sunday morning. 
And now when we want them to return to church, uh, they need to fire those things and now hire going back to church and getting the kids already, et cetera, et cetera. But how that's a, that's a very real uh, issue that at times people who are starting ministries or starting nonprofits, they don't fully appreciate uh, of how hard that is at times for people to do to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you touched on an interesting point too, which is, uh, you know, I, I read a book a few years back by Daniel Pink called To Sell uh, is Human. And the beautiful part of that or the premise of that book is that we are all in sales, right? And, and churches and Christian nonprofits are in sales because anytime you try to get somebody to divest of their time, their energy or their resources, you're ultimately trying to, to sell them something, right? Um, yeah, influence or convince or whatever it, it is. Exactly. Right? And, and that's, a, that's a great point. So, uh, you know, whether we realize it or not, I think we're all in sales. And that's a, an interesting concept for, I think, sometimes Christian ministries uh, to grasp. Hmm. So we mentioned earlier, Ryan, and, and, and again, sincerely, one of the things that drew me to you from the very beginning was that, you do come from a family of faith. Your dad was a pastor. Uh, and could you just tell me, uh, how would you say uh, being raised in a pastor's family, but also then your deep Christian faith, which you've articulated and shared, uh, how what, what role did that play in maybe in your business, but especially in how you led uh, the business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good good question. I mean, when I look at the the formation um, and the development of the business, um, you know, I, I think there was a, a deep part of my faith that that pursued that, knowing that you know, if 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 God wanted this to to be a fruitful kingdom serving business, then then He would you know He would bless it in 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 unique ways, right? And and I, I'm not trying to drip into prosperity gospel by any means. But, you know, I, I certainly had this trust that, hey, this is either something God wants me to, to spend my time and energy on or it isn't, right? And, and having that trust um, that, that he was going to show me whether or not this was, was something that, that he had uh, in, in mind for me and my family. Um, it, there, there was a lot of trust there. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that that continued to play out in my mind as we went through different challenges was just continuing to trust that, Hey, you know, God's taken me down this road for a reason and he's going to provide answers as we go. And and having that, that trust uh, be part of that process throughout my 15 years um, in the business. Um, You know, and I think the, the bigger, the, the more exciting part for me was again, as, as we brought people into the business, I mean, for the first three years, it was just me. But as we brought people into the business and then having the chance to, uh, you know, this, this is when I became a big, um, there, there was a part probably in between there, maybe midway through my business where I struggled a little bit with vocation. You mentioned being from a pastor's, pastor's kid and my wife was a Lutheran teacher and my, my brother and, and his wife were Lutheran teachers and most of my friends, you know, a lot of my friends were in ministry and, and here I am in a, in a, in a for-profit business that at the end of the day, our bottom line was to, to make money. And so you're I struggled doing, with you're that. You're not doing God's work. You were just yeah. going, yeah, right. Right. I struggled <laughs> with that. And, and so I, I did some reading on, on Lutheran vocation and, and talked to some other, uh, shelf. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and had some mentors that, that I don't know if they impacted me, 
I don't know if they know they impacted me in this way, but, but other um, Christian businessmen and seeing the way that they viewed their businesses and the way they viewed their relationships with people and the opportunity to impact those people, uh, either directly or indirectly. And, and that became kind of, I think, a, a joy for me in the latter half of my, my time at Stretch was developing relationships and, and prioritizing relationships. And, and, you know, whether my team members were Christian or not, offering to pray for them and with them and, and um, you, you know, ministering to them when I could, either, either directly or just through presence. Um, you know, there, there were different ways that I had the opportunity to explore that. And, um, you know, and, and a handful of them were Christian. And, and so that gave them freedom to feel like, hey, I, it's okay in this place to, to express what I believe and what my faith is. And, and so I, I think that, if nothing else, just I developed a really healthy understanding of, of, of vocation and, and how God um, uses us in whatever we're doing um, or wants to use us in whatever we're doing to glorify him and, and, and to, to, to bring others as well to deeper relationships with him. Uh, this is just kind of going down a thought there. Do you think starting your business, was that more difficult than uh, leading an existing business or were the, were the challenges just different? I, I think the challenges were different. I, I would say as, you know, this little, little problem or little business, little problem, big business, big, big problem. I think that's true. So I, I think if I reflect now, uh, I think there were the, probably the level of stress and, and the perception of the size of problem uh, or challenges was, was probably bigger as we grew. Um, you know, anytime you had people, I, I talked about their joy, people are joys. Well, people are also problems sometimes, right? I mean, if we're perfectly honest, so we, we all bring a problem to the party, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Me too. Um, so I, you know, I think that, you know, as you grow your team, you're, you're dealing with some, some personnel issues that become challenging. You also get a bigger target on your back from competition, the bigger you, you grow and the, and the more you scale. And so you're, you're dealing with, with increased competition. And, and so I, I guess a short answer to your question would be, I, I think I, I felt that there was more of a challenge running and leading a growing and scaling organization than, than starting something uh, from scratch. There's also less pressure when you start in, in many cases, at least there was for me, because as I mentioned, this was, I wasn't putting all my eggs in that basket. I know some entrepreneurs do. I, I had a fallback plan. So, um, so I didn't feel this tremendous amount of pressure early on. Um, but, but as we grew and faced new challenges, I think those, those probably had a, a bigger, I felt more pressure, I think, and, and stress at times from some of those challenges. I would have to think too, that your perception, your, from your faith walk, that if this is God's will, he'll let it happen. If it's not, he'll be clear. And so in essence, uh, whether or not this is the right thing to do, God will show me, and I don't have to be the one who's really nailing that part down. There has to be some freedom in that approach to life. There, there really is. I mean, I can remember a couple of stories. One is, you know, we, we were outgrowing office space we had, and we really, you know, we had a dramatic need for additional office space, for especially for our IT team. Um, we were just bursting at the seams, and and we had bought a, a pad. We already owned an existing office space. Um, and there was a space right across the, across the sidewalk that um, we were trying to lease out. And it would have been perfect. 
And the owner of that space, I remember saying, well, I, you know, I think I might expand myself in there. Just not sure. And I just remember just releasing it and just saying a prayer and saying, God, you know, you either want us to have this space <laughs> or you don't, if you don't, you'll help us find some other spot. And it, you know, the, the next day he, he said, Hey, you're the spot is yours. Right. And, and, and again, I'm, you know, it, it would, I would have been just as joyful. I think if, if we had found another spot, but just that sense of, of releasing that and knowing that, Hey, God's going to provide here. Um, he's going to show us, show me the way. And, and there was some, some, as you mentioned, I think some great freedom and liberty in, in that. Um, and, and then the whole, uh, process of selling the business. Um, I, I remember I went that story that. cause you, you told me that story you actually, uh, you may not remember, but you alluded to this in Orlando when we first met, we were sitting down and you were kind of saying, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm thinking about this. And then when we came back in May and Phoenix and, uh, you know, when, when you and I sat down and the irony that you had sold it. So, yep. and really you were very fortunate, right? Uh, I remember I, you telling me this. It, the, yeah, that's a tremendous story. Um, and, and we went into it again. I, we had to pay a retainer fee to this mergers and acquisition broker, uh, m and is what they, they call it. Uh, we had to pay a retainer fee, um, and not an insignificant retainer fee to get going down that road. And I, I remember just praying about it and saying, you know what, let's do it. Worst case scenario, I'm going to learn a ton about the whole process of, of selling a business, right? It's going to be an education if nothing else. And, um, but just trusting that if God wanted this to happen, it was going to happen. And if not, then so be it. We'll keep going with the business and see where it takes us. And that just the, the way things lined up was incredible. I mean, we, we found, um, <laughs> so we, we had all, we, we worked with this broker to get all of our ducks in a row, um, did all the due diligence internally, built all the marketing materials out, got our finances in, in, we, we changed from accrual base to cash base. I mean, there was just so much work. I worked harder during those few months than I probably did at any point in the business, but did all this work. They started marketing the buyers and then out of the blue, a, a prospective buyer reached out to me, didn't even know we were trying to sell, reached out to me, somebody in, in our own industry who was backed by a, a, a venture capital firm with deep pockets reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking at trying to add a streaming piece to our portfolio. You know, would you ever be interested in talking? And had that, had they reached out to me three months ago, we wouldn't have anything ready to go. I would have been, uh, I, I guess so we can have a conversation, you know, but I was able to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, let's talk. And we had all the materials ready to go. We had uh, somebody representing us already. Um, so we just had everything perfectly lined up, you know, and then that, that process went so smoothly. Um, the, the other kicker in here, which again, I think was a, a, such a God piece was on the family side of things. My wife had just received a, a call uh, to where we're at now, Las Vegas. We were living in Arizona at the time. And she received a call to lead the vocal music department at Faith Lutheran High School out here, which is the, the largest Lutheran school in the country. And, and uh, she's incredibly talented and gifted. And, and it was a kind of a dream opportunity for her. But we, we could not do that unless I sold the business. I wasn't going to try to lead this business remotely. And uh, the principal out here needed an answer on May 5th. Uh, and... The, the business sold on May 2nd and it sold, I think on, it was like 35 days after we had signed a letter of intent. And, and from what I'm told, it usually takes 60 to 90 days after you sign a letter of intent for, for business sale to close. So you, you just look at how all those things line up and it's, it's, 
that's a long, long answer. You're to supposed your question, to be in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be in Vegas, and then the business was supposed to sell, right? I mean, it, it's, it, I, I think God just orchestrated this in a way that only He can. And, um, but, but there was a healthy dose of trust in that. And, and I, I can honestly say that had it not sold, um, I was ready to trust that, you know, there was another chapter stretch and we were going to continue to pursue that and see what that looked like as well. So, um, so that was a, a, a trust was definitely, I think, a, a, a huge part of that, especially that last chapter. It's a trust in the sovereignty of God, but a resting in the grace of God. So even if you screw it up, he can, he can fix it. That's but right. If you'll, if you'll uh, wait for him to lead uh, wherever he goes, then it's, it's ultimately, as he says, it's going to work out okay. Uh, and I, I love the, the tandem bicycle analogy, right? Where, you know, you're in the back and you got to pedal, but God's, God's in the front seat. So letting him steer doesn't mean that you're, you're sitting idly by and, and, and not, not putting things into motion, but you just got to let him lead. Uh, you, you started Stretch Internet. You sold it in 2018. You've now been really playing the role of getting your family settled in Vegas uh, while Lindsay gets her new career going and moving forward there at Faith Lutheran. Uh, but you also have in the back of your, your mind, because one of the things you did for me and for us and our network was you coached us through some organizational uh, principles, you might say, some some processes, and really helped us become more aligned in what we're doing. And that, I, I saw at least your heart for that, and then marrying up your heart for church and congregations and nonprofits. You're starting a new business that you really want to get launched here. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, it, it's um, I'm trying to do that. Uh, I'm trying to work that in between golf rounds out here. So it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a healthy balance right now. But uh, no, I, I, it's been fun just to have the freedom and flexibility um, while I, I support my family out here in our transition to to dream about what's next. And, and honestly, this dream is what led me, um, you know, to really think about uh, about pursuing this, uh, this whole sale and transition is something new. And, and the idea of, of having been in, in a ministry family, both as I grew up and now as, as I'm, I'm married to a Lutheran teacher as well, but, but having seen firsthand some of the challenges and struggles that, that ministry leaders face, but also now having a perspective of, of what it takes to lead and run a, a healthy and successful business and just sensing there's got to be a, a way to merge these two things um, and, and to marry these concepts. And so, you know, I've really felt called to to pursue and, and develop a, a model. And it's for me, it's going to be framed in an organization I'm calling Seven Marches, which is obviously the, the story of Joshua and, and the, the walls of, of Jericho falling down. And, and if, if you read Joshua 1 through 6, I think you'll actually see some good examples of, of business principles in there. Um, and, and that's for probably another podcast down the road. Well, so, but, such as, such as though, give, give me one. Yeah. Such as uh, you look at, at the way he intentionally met with, with people, you know, really intentional and focused meetings, if you will. Right. He met with, with the Israelites. He met with, uh, he met with God, right. Um, which you might say God was probably leading those meetings rather than Joshua, but, but as, as he took God's, uh, instructions and words, and then intentionally met with with the Israelites and, and with his own leaders, and, and uh, very intentional and strategic about that. Um, 
you know, he developed plans. Um, he, he, for instance, sent the spies in to, to scout out the land, right? It, it was, there was a strategic plan in place there. Um, he, you know, he uh, was quick to, uh, to, to lead others and, and to raise up his own leaders and, and to uh, develop a rapport there. I mean, there, there's, there's, we can go down the list, but there's a lot of elements, I think, if you, if you read that carefully, um, where you see some, some hints that, you know, he, he didn't wear a suit and tie, didn't have Zoom meetings, but, but Josh was a little bit of a businessman, I think, in, <laughs> in some ways. And, and so he I, was a military, he was a military general and, uh, you know, your thing, which I really, like you said, cause that's what I remember most. And I learned the most from you was the intentionality of the meeting with people. Yes. And, and that whole intentionality in our staff and our network has been absolutely a game changer. Uh, so I appreciate that a lot and what you coach us in. Yeah, and, and I, I appreciate that. And I think that's that's a huge part of it is is you know one one of the the seven marches, which so we've actually created seven modules, if you will, or seven marches we call them. One of them is a meeting rhythm, right? And really helping ministries understand how can we effectively meet uh, you know, what do those different meetings look like? What's a, what's a good all hands meeting? How, how often do we need to meet? What should we meet about? What, what's a good weekly meeting look like? And what's the agenda and, and how should it be structured? What's a, what, what do one-on-one meetings look like, right? Um, between a leader and their, their direct, I, I like to call them direct supports, not direct reports, right? What is, what does that meeting look like? How often it should it be? What, what's the, what are the, what's the agenda look like? So really developing a structured, almost templated, uh, concept of, of meetings and, and helping these, these ministries, you know, coaching them through that a little bit. Um, you know, there are other elements in there such as, um, messaging, you know, that's one of our, they're all, these are all M words, each of our seven marches. One is all about messaging and, and helping ministries think again, through the lens of business, you know, what is good, you know, let's look at, at PR and, and, and how that looks. And, and there's two sides of messaging. One is collecting and gathering data and feedback from people. So how do we do a better job of very intentionally taking stock of, of our stakeholders and understanding where they're at and what they see and what they need, uh, like a good business would do. But like many ministries, churches or, or Christian nonprofits don't, um, you know, they, they, they fail to do that well, I think. Um, and then the second part of that messaging module then is, okay, now how do we deliver messages out? How do we intentionally, back to that word, intentionally craft messages for our different stakeholders? What are we trying to get them to do? What action are we trying to get them to take? And, and what does that look like for, for each of our segments, right? It's, it's not one message to everybody. You're usually gonna have different sets of stakeholders and how do you craft that appropriately? So those are just two examples of the, these seven marches, but I think the, the, the framing concept is really trying to to help ministries think about things through a, um, through a, a lens of, of, of how business would operate um, and, and, and view it a little bit differently. So, um, and, and that's something I think I can uniquely bring to the table. I, I don't come from a church worker background. I come from a business background, but I've been in ministry and served on boards and, and, and done those types of things. So I have at least a perspective. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we we talk about uh, a Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, this intermingling or or uh, marrying of, of business principles of great business principles, right? Because God created all sciences, and uh, as well then as this compassion oriented serving uh, mindset of Jesus and how those things come together in in an appropriate way. Uh, yep. Excellent. 
And then I, I would like just a closing concept on that too is, um, you know, I, I think what I love is, is five twos passion for starts, right? Um, new starts, restarts, and, and finding how we really just say, how can we equip and leverage, especially the, the, the lay people in our congregations that have this passion and tap into that and help them dream. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is neat about seven marches, it's not so much helping people start. It's, it's taking ministries that are already established Maybe building even functioning. On, building on yeah, that. might even be functioning well, but say, hey, you know, there's there's just something missing here. We're we're not, you know, back to your point, we're not maybe meeting as effectively as we should be. There's not a lot of alignment or collaboration here, or, you know, uh, you know, we we don't know how to properly hire and fire people. You know, some ministries are are scared of the word fire, right? So one of the things people look at as well, how do you how do you develop a framework that helps you know when and how to fire people, for instance? So, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's kind of I almost look at it as phase two of, of, of what five, two is doing in some ways. If that makes sense. Sure. Sure. So if somebody was interested, Ryan, how would they get a hold of you? Where would they, uh, where would they go? Sure. I mean, we're, we're in the process of building out a website and, and developing some of those materials right now. Um, you know, with the hope of, of kind of officially launching right around January one, the best way to reach me in the, in the interim would just be through my email address, which is uh, Ermeling, R E. Uh, R-M-E-L-I-N-G at gmail.com. And we'll put that in the notes to the podcast. So, so that'd be great. Great. Super. Abigail, right. you, you have uh, some things for him. Yes. Yeah, so before you go, we've got 10 questions that we like to ask our guest. Awesome. So rapid fire, just first answer that comes to mind. So favorite author. Favorite author? I'm probably going to go with with the Heath brothers, Chip and Dan Heath. Um, they they write a ton of of uh, scientific based business books. So I know I'm, I'm I'm a real exciting guy. I'm reading business books for pleasure, but um, that's but, okay. Uh, they've no, wrote some awesome no stuff. No right or wrong. All right. <laughs> Made to and stick. Favorite podcast. Yes. Favorite podcast, without a doubt, uh, How I Built This by Guy Raz, which is on. Uh, 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 National Public Radio, NPR, and uh, just profiles uh, both businesses you've heard of and that you haven't and, and, and the challenges they faced. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the questions you guys asked today are asked of these leaders. It's fun to hear their stories. That's awesome. All right. Favorite spiritual mentor? <sighs> you know, I I'd probably say my brother. He's five and a half years older than me and uh, has gone through some some challenges in his life health-wise and, and um and has just been, uh, has always brought great perspective. When we were considering moving to Vegas, I spent hours on the phone with him and, and he was really, um, it, it was just a blessing for me to get his, his mature spiritual perspective on, on that. But uh, if I have a, a spiritual dilemma, he's probably the first person I go to. All right. Last book you read. Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm reading several right now. Um, the last one I finished, um, I, I, that's my problem. I read too many at a time. Um, let's see. I'm, I've got my Kindle app up here. Just finished. That will never work, which is the story of, of the birth of Netflix. Okay. And Kindle or Audible or physical book? Kindle. Kindle. I, I right. love I love being able to just transfer across devices and search and bookmark and copy bookmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I take right. it you're, you're a hard copy <laughs> person, huh? I am. I am. But okay. that's okay. That's all right. Uh, Mac she or loves PC? you anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> Mac or PC? Uh, Mac. I've ever since my parents bought us a, an Apple IIe for Christmas in 1983, I've, I've never owned a PC in my life. Okay. That's impressive. Right. That's very ES, impressive. ESV or a different version of the Bible? You know, that's the beauty of technology. I, I probably default to ESV, but being able to just you know, sometimes just for fun, I'll change uh, my, my devotional each day to a different version in the Bible app. And, and uh, but, but ESV would be my default. Okay. Socks or no socks? I live in Nevada and I, I wear sandals probably 363 days of the year. So I'm going to go no socks. Okay. Tattoos or no tattoos? Do you no have tattoos? No tattoos. Okay. I don't. Um, golf or swimming? Uh, that's a no-brainer, right, Bill? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely, golf. Absolutely. I, that's, that's been a... If we were made to swim, there'd be gills and you know fins on us or something. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Golf has right. probably become All my right. my number one passion. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. We really appreciate you joining us and just what a great conversation and pray Jesus's blessings upon you and your family as you guys settle in, continue to settle in. And then as you look at starting seven marches. So thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. And, and five, two remains uh, just a, a ministry that we care deeply about and, and uh, excited to see the next chapter uh, evolve for you guys and, and to be a part of that in one way, shape or form. So thank you for all you guys do and, and for, for your passion. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Hey y'all, it's Abigail. Are you struggling with what your church or nonprofit will look like going forward or how to start a church or nonprofit that lasts and makes an impact? We at 5.2 have the solution. We are taking our proven and tested start new training digital and not just because of COVID. By God's grace, we started this project last fall. Our training is like none other. It's Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, combining rich theological truths with sound startup business principles. And now it's more affordable and accessible than ever before. Registration opens this fall, but we're offering a sneak peek to you as a podcast listener. Check out startnewtraining.com for a preview of one of the three ways you can experience Start New. We'll be adding the other two ways this fall, so be on the lookout. We're super excited about it and would love your feedback, so go to startnewtraining.com and check it out. The Start New podcast was produced by Chapman Shanefelt with special help from Nick Taylor. Brought to you by the 5-2 Network. Original music by Nick Taylor. I'm Abigail Taylor. Thanks for listening.